Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm going to shove Pop-Tarts down your throat, you idiot. Pop-Tarts. Pop tats. That's right. There's no ah. There's no ah. Mike. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, now I can. Wait, who the hell said that? That was my wife. Okay, I was gonna say, wait a second here. Called in the cavalry for butt sex. Uh, (laughs) Or is it probably something? (laughs) The butt sex cavalry. Jesus. Uh, Sounds like a band name. How's that? That's Good. better. better. Right, let's get this shit on the road before the mic craps out again. Oh, too late. Great, too late. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Well, that was just me touching the cable. Yeah, don't even touch the damn cable. Yeah. Don't touch I, it. It'll I explode. Hey, this is Dave Brenner from Theory of a Dead Man, and you're listening to This Week in Geek. Did you grow up with the NES, PlayStation, Star Wars, cartoons, and 80s TV? Do you like to think who would win in a fight between Batman and the Master Chief? Comics, games, movies, music, and TV. We're gonna tell you everything you need. Superheroes or nothing got your back. They're gonna save the world of geeks. Welcome to This Week in Geeks Nerd News Network. This is episode 23. We're hoping you enjoyed the last episode, even though it was a jumbled mess. That's what happens when I wake up, you know, 10 minutes before we record. I am, of course, TFG and Mike. Joining me, as usual, is Birdman Dodd. Hello. Good afternoon. My God, will you stop with the fire alarm? (laughs) For the love of all that is holy. I'm Mike. Unemployed Gravy Moose, hello. Yeah, what the F, hey. <laughs> Do we want to wait until Blair's done? No, let's no. just go with it. At this rate, is the house burning down? I don't know at this point. I think point. I'd know by now. <laughs> are you, sure? are you like directly above them? You know we're uh, I'm recording off all this, right? One or two apartments, but I'm still I'm, I'm in no shot of any smoke coming up from there. 
Is she burning water? Oh, There's she's fire! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Did you go and buy the fire extinguisher I told you to buy months ago? Let's put the three most popular answers on the board. Survey says no. Show me potato salad. Yeah, show me potato salad. Show me Picard's flute. <laughs> Congratulations, McGregor. <laughs> So when Never I visit later around this the week, there'll be an apartment to come to. <laughs> <laughs> no board games for you. All right. Also joining us uh, <laughs> is uh, the man who apparently uh, shot off too many Pop-Tarts. Tristan, hello, sir. Yes, it is Mr. Christopher here. I'm yes. hoping the apartment building doesn't burn down from down there. Yeah. I'm hoping not either. <laughs> hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's another interesting week here at the Twig Studios, apparently. We're off to a good start. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I putting, have... Putting out fires metaphorically and physically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how we roll around this place. In the last 14 days, I watched all 13 Star Trek films and recorded two and a half podcasts on them. The other half will be recorded later after this. Uh, so there's that, and... The TNG films actually made me want to go back and watch TNG again, which I have not done in years. So that's on Netflix, and I'm up to episode five, I think, of season one. I gotta you say, just skip uh, the first two seasons, honestly. Oh, yeah. Stop it! I, well, I, I can't. Terrible. Well, I, I don't know. The... I don't remember the mic. I haven't watched the damn shit since 1989. So well, I watched stuff the... from the beginning. I don't just skip around. Yeah. I... I got the Blu-ray of uh, season two on the Blu-ray. There's uh, an extended uh, version of Measure of a Man. That's a good episode. And it's like, it's a good 12 minutes longer. Mm. I saw that in theaters, actually, when they put it out a couple years ago. It adds a whole bunch of cool stuff. It's hard to even tell. Like, it was seamless. It's almost like they clearly meant to air it in its entirety, but it wasn't long enough to be a two-parter. Hmm. Yeah, when the Okudas did a lot of the restoration work on that, when they showed that in theaters, they had like a 15 minute like talking before they showed Measure of a Man. And uh, yeah, I got to say, one of the most memorable episodes of Star Trek pretty much ever, definitely from the early TNG stuff, some of the best stuff, because that show truthfully didn't get good until season three. It basically saved season two. Yeah, more or less. I mean, that's when we had Dr. Pulaski, I think, dropped in in season two and... Me and her have a long, interesting history. Um, okay, we don't want to get into that. No, 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 no. We it's don't want to get into that. No, no, we don't want to get... Shut the fuck up for once. Um, I love you. Uh, no, actually, it's funny. Yeah, you on better face- love me. I do all the work for this damn show. <laughs> it's funny. We Actually, Dr. Pulaski is still starting fights. Um, on my Facebook about three years ago, somebody made a joke about Dr. Pulaski, and it turned into this giant Facebook fireball of death and yet again she rears her ugly head here again starting yet another fight thus proving dr pulaski is cancer on the star trek franchise although in the original series she was hot what the hell happened time Uh, yeah time time and cues and interference or something just jesus she looks like a ghoul old lady pubes (laughs) on that note Random news notes. Once again, more deaths. The director of Poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre has passed. 
Yeah, that would be uh, Toby Hooper. This guy's contributions to the horror genre innumerable. Uh, lots of people have taken influence from him. A friend of mine uh, actually posted on my Facebook about this. I actually saw a Q&A with him a couple of years ago, and he was always a very genuine member to the horror community. I think I'm trying to remember who the hell it was was hanging out with him just a few weekends ago at a convention. Um, I want to say it was either Brad Dorf who plays Chucky or it was Jason David Frank. It was one or the other because there's a picture of them just just hanging out and just sitting there just just chilling. And uh, I didn't even know Toby Hooper was sick. I mean, and I knew he was up there in age because he was, what, 71, 72? Yeah, something 74. like 74. 74. Yeah. So he lived a good long life. Now, I've, as for most of his movies, I've seen Texas Chainsaw. I've seen Poltergeist. Um, he, did a, he did a couple of shorts for the Showtime series, Masters of Horror, which if you haven't had a chance to see that television series, amazingly cool anthology series, especially with Halloween just around the corner right now, actually. Um, so great loss. We lost George A. Romero within the last year. We lost him. We lost Wes Craven. What was it last year? Mm -hmm. I think it was. Um, so a lot of the, the great horror greats are unfortunately gone i mean i think i guess all we have left now is what john carpenter and he's up there too yeah yeah carpenter and is is dante still alive yes joe dante yeah yeah um i don't think of who who else would be a legendary uh i guess argento still alive um yeah but he, he's like isn't he like italian so he could live to be like 130 yeah, the, the the Italian horror directors will never die. Um, uh, so yeah, you got him. You've got uh, is Fulci still alive? Uh, no, probably not. Okay. Uh, then you've got sort of. Do you count Savini? I, he, direct, he directed a couple things, or he's just a horror icon. He's a horror icon, and he has directed a few things. I would consider him in the same, maybe not the same caliber, but in the same ballpark as these people, so so to speak. You, um, but there's like a huge gap in age between that generation of horror directors and, and yeah, then the Hummers. and the ones that are maybe now in their early 40s, like Eli Roth. I was about to say, yeah, you got uh, Eli Roth, Adam Green, uh, James Wan from uh, the the Saw franchise, and of the um, not Amityville, but uh, um, the, um, the Conjuring the, universe, which is now yeah, a thing, which is surprising. Yeah, which which is surprisingly good. If you people want to see a really good horror movie franchise, with the exception of the first Annabelle, anything associated with The Conjuring is really, really scary and surprisingly good. And Rob Zombie, throw him in there too. Uh, no, but Rob Zombie for me is hitting this. But but true, yeah, he is an upcoming horror guy. He does have his street cred. Whether you like his movies or not, he definitely loves the genre. Probably mm. closest, and I guess if you count, he did a few horror films. Um, John Landis. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, he did like American Werewolf and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And Cronenberg. That's it. And then yes, that's yes. It. But they, like that's it for the like the older generation. There's like a few guys that are younger, but it seems like horror is a genre that like a new director will do like one or two pictures because it's cheap, and then move on. Few, very few people like Eli Roth have stuck sort of with it the whole time. Mm hmm. Yeah. Also came out this week that actor Jay Thomas has passed away. 
He was on Murphy Brown. He was Carla's husband on Cheers, where I know him from. Uh, he was um, Glenn Campbell in Mr. Holland's Opus with Richard Dreyfus. He was one of the teachers in, in Mr. Holland's Opus with Richard Dreyfus in 95. Uh, he died of cancer at age 69. I recognize the face, but I can't place a lot of his work, unfortunately. Yeah, like I said, He's one of those people that you know, but yeah. you might He's not like a background know where you know. Actor. Well, I was reading he was fired from Cheers, though. Well, over yeah. some radio thing that he did, like yeah, like some joke he, that went too far. Yeah. Well, no, he had, he had he was like a, a Howard Stern type host. And- uh- lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh. He was publicly mocking Rhea Perlman's appearance while he was on the show with her. So she got him fired, and because he was kind of a dick, apparently. But then, you know, it sort of smartened him up, and he obviously did other TV shows after. Mm-hmm. But so, sometimes, sometimes people take things too far. We're gonna leave that there. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna leave that there because now Michael has some death notes after this. Birdman's breakdown. Ah, uh, yes. Evidently, it seems I've been writing some unfortunate names down in my own death note. You might be wondering, what? why am I making that horrible transition? Well, we're here to talk about Netflix's and Adam Wingard's death note. This is the adaptation of the Japanese anime of the same name, which spanned, I think, 26 episodes a couple of years ago. I remember watching it back in 2008, 2009. Love the series. One of the few anime series I've been actually able to get Blair into. And in short, Death Note is about a person named Light. In the Japanese version, it's Light Yagami who discovers a Death Note, which is a notebook left behind by a Japanese god of death known as a Shinigami. And whoever's name you write in the Death Note shall die. And you can even specify how they die. You could write decapitation, hit by falling airplane wreckage, heart attack, or tentacle monster as long as it's possible they'll die like that and you can go into sorts of really weird details and you get this really cool cat and mouse game where light fights this other uh japanese detective who's only known as l and it's this really like i said it's like cat and mouse them trying to get each other and they never quite do but it ends kind of on a whimper the first half of the anime series is really 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 good the second half not so much but Of course, America has to try to adapt it. And, well, we've had, quote-unquote, successes, like the most recent Ghost in the Shell. We've had Dragon Ball Evolution. We've had Speed Racer. And, well, this is the latest in a series of adaptations to come down the pipe. And Adam Wingard casts, uh, I think his name is Nat Wolf. Um, He plays Light Turner in this adaptation. And... He receives the, the death note the same way. It falls out of the sky. And Ryuk, who is the Shinigami, just known as a death god in this, is played by the Green Goblin himself, Willem Dafoe. And you sort of get the same cat and mouse game between him and L, though not so much. Uh, Light starts using it to knock off the world's criminals. And basically people start to know him as Kira, which is 
Russian for light, but is Japanese for killer. And basically he's trying to be a good, good guy by getting rid of all the bad guys. Eventually he goes nuts with power. And, uh, what happens in the end is you get 90 minutes trying to cram a 26 anime episode series into those 90 minutes and you get kind of a convoluted mess. Um, I will say this, though. After watching the movie, I really like the kid that plays L. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Willem Dafoe as Ryuk was definitely inspired casting because he has that creepy voice to him, and he suits Ryuk. If you're going to put Death Note on the big screen-ish, Willem Dafoe is probably the best, the best way to go. The movie is watchable with this caveat. If you haven't seen the anime watch the movie first then watch the anime if you watch the anime first then the movie i promise you everything in a six block radius is going to get nuked because you will be mad you will be mad beyond reason and approaching this i wanted to love this movie i really did because i'm still waiting for the japanese anime adaptation to make sense and unfortunately i didn't quite get this year now i was actually supposed to have an interview with Adam Wingard regarding this, because there's been a lot of controversy surrounding this movie, especially since they took the movie out of Japan, put it in Seattle, and they Americanized slash whitewashed it. And that's a controversy he does address in several different interviews. You want to go look those up, you can go do so. But um, I don't think it was such a big deal changing some of the characters' ethnicities because it's the story that matters. The problem is some of the cultural context gets lost because in the original Japanese anime, Light is a psychopath. He's just not the kind to walk around with, you know, an axe. In this case, he believes he is God. At the end of this one, you feel sympathy for Light. And that's something you probably shouldn't do because, in essence, he's still a murdering psychopath at the end of the day, too. It's just, you know, his parents didn't love him or something. And it, it gets, I don't know. Overall, like I said, if you're going to watch Death Note, watch the movie first, then the anime. Do not do it the other way around. For me, unfortunately, I'm writing their name in the, the Death Note, Cause of Death, Box Office Flop. Mm -hmm. And we will talk about box office flopping later on in the show. Uh, some other, Anna, uh, granted these are older, these are not recent. You had said off-air about how certain animes that get adapted are not that good. Um, Thundercats was good, Voltron 1984 was good, and both of well, those... Thundercats of... was an anime? Mm-hmm. Really? First, what what was its origin series called? I'll have to look it up. I had no idea. That yeah, is I thought that one me. was American. So did it, I. It is. I know, Vol they... I know Voltron was like two different shows. Yeah, yeah. Voltron's... Voltron, the one I'm talking about, Lion Force, the, the original 84 series... Was Lion Force or something. With, with the Lions, yes. The, Go Lion or something. Yeah, Voltron Defender of the Universe was adapted from Go Lion. Um... And then Robotech was also like that. It was like three series. Yeah. Yeah, it was Macross, Southern Cross, and Genesis Mospeeder or something. Yep. I'm uh, way out of my league here. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we'll get you back in your league here in a minute, Batman Pop-Tart dude. All right, hurry up and get to the lobby. <laughs> Grab those drinks, popcorn, candy, and more, because we're going to give you some movie news. 
This is Kevin Conroy. And I am the goddamn Batman. All right, Tristan. What did Matt Reeves do now with Batman? Well, recently Matt Reeves, the director of the upcoming film The Batman, has stated his film would not be a part of the larger DC Extended Universe. And fans were understandably displeased with this information. Uh, fortunately, it seems like it was a misunderstanding to a point. Uh, Reeves took to Twitter to clarify that the message was misunderstood. He confirmed that the film will be, in fact, a part of the DCEU, but it won't have actual ties to other films. He's quoted as saying, Just to be clear, of course Batman will be part of the DC universe. Batman will be Batman. In my comments from a while back about not being part of the DCEU, I was talking about the Batman being a story specifically about Batman and not about the others in the universe, that it wouldn't be filled with cameos servicing other stories. It would be a Batman story. The film has yet to receive a green light, though, and it's believed that Reeves is in the midst of a big rewrite. It looks like we won't be seeing any filming start until sometime next year, so it's a bit on the back burner right now, but... Although Reeves said it was a standalone, it wasn't going to be involved, it looks like it actually is involved, it's just not going to do that whole, hey, I remember that guy from that film and that book. <laughs> that. So it's not going to do the MCU thing where everyone's in every film. That's all. It's kind of interesting how disorganized DC sounds. Mm-hmm. It it's really because is. They're, like, it's because like they're backpedaling. They've been backpedaling since the success of the Avengers, and they still don't know what to do with their properties. And that blows my mind. You've had almost, like, the Avengers came out, what, 2012, 2011? Yep, 2012. And they've had this long to figure it out. Jesus, man. It's not that hard to figure out. I don't understand it. The Avengers did it correctly by starting slow and building up to the Avengers and now DC feels like they're just reflexing they started with Justice League they're starting with all the big stuff without any real backstory there to build up to it so you don't feel invested they're doing the whole thing wrong, they're doing it backwards and it's not working for them so now they're just scrambling to try anything and see if something sticks and it it's sounds, not. it sounds to me like what they're doing is they're behaving like a movie studio and not a comic book company whereas Marvel isn't the the movie division completely. They've given over all all um, the reins to the comic people, haven't they? Mm, kind of, sorta, but it's all Disney in the end. Um, yeah, but Marvel Studios is it has various people from Marvel Comics, but it's it's a almost separate entity, I believe. My thing with with the DC stuff is uh, I had an idea when the BS that is BVS first started, you know, hitting Comic-Con, whatever year that was, I forget what year it was, 2012 or whatever, and they said, oh, it's going to be great, it's going to be out in two years, and of course it didn't come out until four years later, or whatever the hell. Avengers built up from Iron Man to whatever the last one was in Phase 1 before Avengers, and they all came together as a team. My idea was, you take, you start with Justice League... They establish them as they've already been a team for a while and then have something happen, like have Batman, you know, come up with his plans to, you know, disarm them or whatever, and then we go off into all these other movies and explore individual characters. I don't know. I. But that would have been smart. Yeah. I feel like they get halfway to doing that. They keep they splinter off these characters, but they just end up really confusing and 
maybe oversaturated in what's in these movies. You don't really get to follow them. They're not about a cohesive story. I think part of the problem is they have entrenched management who's too old to understand their 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 like audiences. You don't have anybody young in there who can explain things to these people in terms they can understand. I think it's just vast disconnect between money and big business and between making the fans happy and building a franchise. They don't understand this takes time. Marvel is successful because people like Kevin Feige, because people like John Favreau, people who are not out of their 40s yet or at least at the very latest, their 50s, understand things take time. If you put too many cooks in the kitchen, you see what happens. And DC has always been about scrambling to react to Marvel rather than... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And planning their own stuff. They're too worried about what's happening over in someone else's yard to worry about their own. Well, yep. just look just look at the Dark Knight trilogy. They literally gave somebody the reins and said, you figure it out. And he had like seven years to do it. Yeah. And Christopher Nolan did a fantastic job. Because they, they left him alone. He had his vision and he took his time. It wasn't competing against anything equivalent or specific in any other universe. It was able to just be its own series. And you could even argue to a certain extent, even when Zack Schneider was given Man of Steel, okay, if you're going to do it your way, do it your way. And we'll let you go. And then when when they told him you're going to run the DCEU, I think he panicked. Mm -hmm. Probably. Like, if they were really smart, what they would be doing... uh, is using their television properties to fuel the storylines that build to the the Justice League instead of because, because like their live action television is great. Yeah. So why 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 do they have to think that they have they're so siloed? Oh, television is television and movies are movies and they can't be connected. Well, that's the one thing they would have up on on uh, Marvel is that they already have these established shows that people love, especially on the internet that they could use to build two storylines for the justice league, mm-hmm. but they're never, but they've openly said they're never going to do that. Like, why would you shoot yourself in the foot by casting somebody other, let's say it for the flash, other than the star of the highest rated show on your network? Yeah, exactly. Um, so while we might enjoy his movies, I no longer give a crap or, ever want to hear anything out of James Cameron the asshat ever again. Because apparently he says Wonder Woman is a step backward, and this is his direct quote. All of the self-congratulatory back-patting Hollywood's been doing over Wonder Woman has been so misguided. She's an objectified icon and has 
and it's just male Hollywood doing the same old thing. I'm not saying I didn't like the movie, but to me, it's a step backwards. Sarah Connor was not a beauty icon. She was a strong, she was troubled, she was a terrible mother, and she learned the respect of the audience through pure grit. And to me, the benefit of characters like Sarah is so obvious, I mean, half the audience is female. Uh, well, Wonder Woman isn't Sarah Connor, you idiot. She's from he, a completely maleless society. He, he says as he's trying to promote his 3D version of Terminator 2 that's in theaters right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I could, I see where he's coming from, but it's so misdirected. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean... Wonder Woman is a beautiful woman. She is from Thaumaskura, the land of warrior, beautiful women that no man can ever hope to possess. Yeah, Sarah Connor's a waitress. I get that. But the two backstories are so conflicting. And so like, very different. They're two yeah, different so characters. Very... Not all women are going to be the same type of gritty character that he wrote X number of 25, 26, whatever the hell, how many years ago that was. Oh yeah, how, and how about he stopped complaining about other people, other people's movies, and finished the four movies he said he was going to have done by now? Yep, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like there's so. I mean, I, I I can see where he wants to maybe try and take the sexy out of the sexy female action star and make it about the every woman, but that wasn't the point with Wonder Woman. It no, wasn't it, at all. It, it kind of paints this picture where if you're beautiful, you can't be tough. If you're beautiful, you can't be a badass. And I don't think that might have been his intent, but that's really what came across. Yeah, like I'd say, no, no, there are tons of beautiful and tough women, and there's just as many ordinary badasses, too. I mean, without them being supermodel, drop-dead gorgeous. I mean, look at some of the men and women that serve in our military. Are some of them good enough to be models? Yeah. And are some of them just ordinary people like you or me? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, what Tristan said, just it came across as not exactly – sexist remark is sexist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and I wonder <laughs> if Patty Jenkins, the female director of Wonder Woman, has something to say about that. I think she did respond to it, but I can't recall what she said. Yeah, let's, I don't. Let's see yeah. what his ex-wife, uh, Catherine Bigelow, would say about that first woman I, to win an I've, Oscar for I've directing. I've got the you know I've got Patty Jenkins tweet. What did she say? What did she say? Uh, James, James Cameron's inability to understand what Wonder Woman is or stands for to women all over the world is unsurprising as, though he is a great filmmaker, he is not a woman. Strong women are great. His praise of my film Monster and our portrayal of a strong yet damaged woman was so appreciated. But if women have always to be hard, have to always be hard, tough and troubled to be strong, and we aren't free to be multidimensional or celebrate an icon of women everywhere because she's attractive and loving, then we haven't come very far, have we? I believe women can and should be everything, just like male lead actors should be. There is no right and wrong kind of powerful woman, and the massive female audience who made the film a hit it is can surely choose and judge on their own icons of progress. Mm-hmm. Bam. Yeah, mic drop. In your face, bitch. Just and got the... Wonder Woman. Yep. <laughs> Which comes out, I think, next, tomorrow, actually. I think it comes out on digital. I think he's just sad we didn't like his Pocahontas cat people. Yeah. <laughs> Thunder Smurfs, man. Ugh. On that note, we're gonna 
go watch some stuff on some streaming service. We'll be back in a moment. TV news. Okay, so in a land of reboots that we don't really need, this actually could be awesome. From Guardians of the Ga- from Guardians to- from Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Starsky and Hutch, James Gunn and Sony Pictures are planning a reboot series of the Starsky and Hutch 1970s television show. <laughs> If they oh got my. Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson back, I'd totally be down for this, actually. That would be amazing. Wow. Is Snoop Dogg going to be in this one, too? Oh, my God. Please tell me yes. I don't. It does. All as it says in the story is that they are shop, that Sony is shopping it around to broadcast cable networks and streaming as well. So they're just in the very early developments of this. It's not Which means weird. the budget is potentially there. Mm-hmm. If it was, you know what? If you took this to say, um, FX, getting Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson is actually not outside the realm of possibility. If you only did ten episodes, you could totally get the entire cast back. Everyone start mm-hmm. tweeting this. At Even Amazon is throwing their money around lately. Yeah, I don't know. This could be really stupid, but really, really funny. Especially if you had James Gunn executive producing, and if he wrote the first episode. It could set the tone for the rest of the series. James you Gunn's could have a lot to of possibly po- direct. Ooh, this could be really funny. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say, I'm looking more forward to this than I was, say, the Lethal Weapon franchise. That's oh, on. Totally. Okay. Uh, look, Lethal Weapon. It's the first season is 18 episodes. It has nothing to do with the films. It takes certain pieces from, like, it's got the character names from the movies, but, and it homages certain scenes in the movies, like, uh, I think it was, I don't know, the ninth or, no, it was the fifth episode of season one of Lethal Weapon on Fox, where they basically rehash the pool jump from Lethal Weapon 2. But it actually makes sense in the show, and I like the show, because these are not... Danny Glover and Mel Gibson's versions of the characters. These are completely different versions, completely different stories. And I thought the show was interesting. Is it a best show ever? No, but it's not the worst thing in the world. I, I tried watching it, and I actually liked that '90s ripoff show called LA Heat better, which you guys, I'll send you trailers because it's it stars the uh, Stephen Williams from X Files, the black guy. Yeah, and and the guy that and Wolf Larson, the guy that played Tarzan on the Canadian Tarzan show, and mm-hmm. it's everything you could ever want in a terrible low budget ripoff of of Lethal Weapon. I was gonna say, Alex, that's not the show where Stephen Williams is the pirate. That's something else entirely, Steve right? Stephen Williams is the pirate. No, it's a different show, probably. Okay, yeah, they're they're cops, and it's it's basically it's like Baywatch level campy. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> God. All right. Grab those air guitars because it's time to tune into some music news. So there's a video on YouTube, folks, where somebody is interviewing the WWE superstars <laughs> at an event, and they're talking about metal and rock and roll and everything else. You, which what what I find so interesting about this the, this video is you actually get to hear like people like Braun Strowman outside of WWE content, and it's just so hilarious. And 
Sadly, it ends on Jinder Mahal admitting he likes Nickelback. <laughs> what a WWE champion we have. Oh, my God. That is nuclear heat in Canada. <laughs> yeah, pretty much white hot. Because he, he comes up here, and he's going to get cheered because this is Bizarro Land, and we cheer for anybody that's you know from Canada, even if it's a heel. But this is going to get hit. Like he, people are going to break glass and try to stab him in the neck. They're going to throw batteries at him. <laughs> like it's going <laughs> to. He's going to come up here and be like, "I like to come back. We're going to kill him." They're going to start screaming. <laughs> They're basically going to burn it to the ground. Why Canadians are so nice. We focus all of our rage into Canadian geese and nickelback likers. I'd say to a lesser extent Justin Bieber as well, but definitely nickelback is the more widely accepted hate. Bieber's the one we just said, America, you can have him. Yep. Yeah, like, he's him. all your problem and, now, man. And TNT, we don't want him. Like you a- can have him back. <laughs> all right. And now, get those game systems ready, because we're going to get on around to some... Video game news. All right, Tristan, what do you got this week? Well, after years of waiting for any word about Half-Life Episode 2... Uh, sorry, Half-Life 2 Episode 3, or the elusive Half-Life 3, fans might finally have some closure, but probably not quite what they were looking for. The series writer Mark Laidlaw has posted a blog post entitled Epistle 3, which appears to be a definitive ending for the Half-Life series, and fans are now debating whether or not this post is the official intended ending to the series. The post appears to reference Half-Life characters with their names and genders changed, such as Gertie Freeman for the ever-silent Gordon Freeman. (laughs) It's a rather thin veil. Uh, A post like this seems to point at an end to the hopes of many for Valve to come back to the property to finish the story, but some fans remain steadfast. Others are hoping some creative people will use this post as inspiration to complete the series in a fan-made game. Now, honestly, I feel this is what Half-Life 3 will have to end up being if it wants to live up to the massive expectations people have for it. I don't think everyone's going to be happy no matter what happens, but if... Valve gives the fans the tools to make it. They have their their Gary's mod. Now they have a story. They can build things around. The community can come together and finish the Half-Life series for themselves. I think there's some potential in making at least a good chunk of people happy with this. I would like to know from an official standpoint, I I want Gabe Newell to just say, okay, here's why we haven't done it. Just officially... Why? And why? And now one conspiracy theory I heard thrown around on this particular uh, post is perhaps the guy's non, non, non-compete clause had run out or some legal BS had run out, which is why he was able to post it. Um, I don't know. I kind of just I'm over it sort of thing. It's kind of like Duke Nukem forever at this point it's if it gets made it's gonna suck 
Yeah, I, I think that's a lot of it now is they've waited so long that the expectation level is just too high. There is no way that they would be able to make a Half-Life 3 and have it be anywhere near as good as people would expect it to be. But call it rose-tinted glasses, call it whatever you want. People want the perfect game out of Half-Life 3 because it's been so long. Well, you've had so long to develop it, even if they're not really working on it. So why isn't it the perfect game? Well, like you said, Duke Nukem Forever. It took, what, 10 years to make? It was crap. At this point, it's it's not going to meet those expectations, so they need to try something different. And I think just letting the fans have it is going to allow us to at least disappoint ourselves so we have only ourselves to blame if it sucks. Well, if are we approaching like a 20th anniversary of the original game yet? We should be pretty close. For Half-Life 1? Uh... Yeah. Probably, Pretty right? close, yeah. yeah. Why don't they just... Uh, they've already got the tools. Just stick the that scripted thing into the, the second game's engine and just release it as part of the 20th anniversary as a bonus. Yeah. November of next year is 20 years. Yeah. Basically, if something doesn't come out then, it's never coming out. Absolutely. See, and here's the thing, though. That's a franchise that's still well-liked today... Just make the goddamn game, get your money, and get out. They're making so much money, though. Valve has a big cash cow. Steam is huge. They make so much money off of develop or not developing, but distributing games. They don't really have a need to make games anymore, so they don't feel the pressure from a financial standpoint to make the game. They just do stuff with Dota and everything that they, they have going actively right now. They don't want to, it, to risk this investment of, of making a game that won't meet what people want. But the question is, why don't they just say they're not going to do it? Yeah, just come on out and say, like, guys, it's it's not happening. It's not happening, and here's what we're focusing on. Yeah, I think they owe the fans at least that much. Say, hey, here's the, what the status of Half-Life is. Take it or leave it. This, or this is what we're going to do. Else. Or, or even like on their website, list it as a legacy product or something. Something yeah. that shows that development is over. Yeah. People have been on the edge of their seats for years. You'll see Reddit posts. It's become a complete It's a joke. Because everyone's always like Half-Life 3 confirmed. Exactly. They do some crazy math, you know, number 23 style, Jim Carrey, and they come up, oh, Half-Life 3. There it is. Or why don't you take some of that money? If you're not going to make a game because you're worried the game's not going to turn out, throw that money into a miniseries and make it Steam exclusive for people that's, that are you know, buy things on Steam. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, they could run a, a sales event with it or something. They have their events every so often, run some sales on some games, specifically their own properties. Boom, they buy so much uh, of this. Buy the, uh, the Half-Life, whatever the... What's that but Orange Box bundle? So, yeah, the Orange Box. Yeah. Orange Box bundle, get a 90-minute get a movie we've made basically telling the story of the third game. Because that couldn't cost them to produce something decent. It wouldn't cost them more than $40, 50000000 million. And, like, aren't they making that, like, every couple days? Yeah, they make a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of money. More money than we'll ever see in our lifetimes. So it, it wouldn't be that difficult if they wanted to be a content distribution platform for their own, you know, television or movie productions. <clears throat> you it can already get even... movies on there. Yeah, it can it can kickstart a bigger project for Steam to be a distribution service for more and more. I want to say non-interactive content like that, or, movies, you know, TV shows. Basically, make it. Although, uh, 
don't make don't let Uva Bowl make movies, but basically make it a video game <laughs> movie haven. You know what I mean? You know, properties based on movies. Final Fantasy, the spirits within. Whatever, that wasn't a bad movie. Just yeah. wasn't, you know, going to make the money they expected. No. Not in the least. What else you got, Tristan? Speaking of Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy XV's director, Hajime Tabata, has said he is keen to make sure that the game appeals to PC gamers when it comes to PC soon i don't have the exact date the game won't be locked to 30 frames per second so us pc gamers can rejoice however if you want to run the game at 60 frames at 4k you're going to need to rig more powerful than the one that square enix themselves used at gamescom have no fear if you don't have a three thousand dollar computer your pc should be able to run it as long as it's not more than a few years old and it should look pretty damn good in the meantime Tabata has said he wants to make it clear that the latest Final Fantasy game is serious about the PC market and its players. The game will come with a first-person mode and, most importantly, mod support. Of course, where there are mods, there are nude mods. And the Final (laughs) Fantasy XV team has been refreshingly open-minded about the modding community. Tabata says... Obviously, there's some worry that but we've made this great world and people might try to stuff all kinds of strange things into it and mess it up. <laughs> when we were getting together for discussion, all the people together in the project were airing out their worries. Noon mods were something most people were really worried about. What's stronger in my mind is the fact that I don't want to limit people too much. This is a part of the culture of gaming these days. These people, it's a thing they've bought. It's their game now. I don't think it's a good thing, but we're going to leave it to the moral sense of all the players out there. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's going to make it so we can see Behemoth Gash. Yes. Oh, my God. I basically want, as a principle, to give as much freedom (laughs) and as little limitations on it as possible. So there you have it. Final Fantasy XV on PC is aiming to be the full PC experience right down to full frontal nudity and naked people everywhere. So Uh that turn... The behemoth gash and friggin' Dark Souls. What was it, Gaping Dragon? Oh, not you two. <laughs> Spread them bat wings. Wow. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. It's, it's a game that officially supports nude mods, sort of. <laughs> they won't be taking them down. So basically, you can do what you want this game with this game once you have the modding tools. It's nice to see because there's so many other games out there that kind of... They fence you in a little bit as to what you can do with it. They don't like the mods. They don't think that's really what they want. They want their vision of the game. But looks like Final Fantasy XV is going to go a different route. Mm-hmm. All right. Alex, what do you got? I'm still laughing. <laughs> yeah. I figured as much. Okay. Gape. Gape. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's so many titles we could give this episode. <laughs> oh man, gaping behemoth gash. <laughs> anyway, my head is in my hand. <laughs> oh, and it's Final Fantasy. So let's be real; people are gonna do it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. There's gonna be every <clears throat> Final Fantasy character you've ever never wanted. All to the see. Moogle slong you can shake a stick at. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Chocobo cock. That. <laughs> That would be funny. You're riding around on him and he's just dangling everywhere. (laughs) That's terrible. I love it. Attack of opportunity. (laughs) 
Just making me think when, he's, when you run with them and they go quack and they run. <laughs> Chocobo boner running at you. Chocobo away. <laughs> anyway. Like a cavalier uh, charge. <laughs> EB Games, which is uh, in Australia and Canada, that's, that's our version of GameStop. Uh, in Australia, at least, they're testing a program to rent out their pre-owned titles. Uh, I guess they're going to make more money off of that than, especially titles that uh, maybe go down in value or, or aren't, you know, aren't going to make them a ton of money sitting on the shelf. NHL 2009. Much for maybe they'll make a couple bucks to, to rent it for a week. What they're doing is uh, they're taking advantage of their giant stores of used games that maybe haven't gone off the shelves, and starting a rental program, so sort of a subscription rental program. We had what was a game access here? Did that? Yeah. GameAccess.ca, yep. Yeah, and then uh, also, I, I know that the chain of stores, the microplays here, a lot of the mom-and-pop game stores used to do rentals, and that sort of just went away years ago with digital downloads. But they're a large enough entity. I think they're probably the biggest uh, chain there. They might be the only chain in Australia, to be honest. And uh, what they're offering is... $16 a month or $16 Australian, which I'm assuming it's similar to our money. So that makes it about 10 bucks American per month to have one game out at a time. Uh, or 23 bucks, so probably about $18, $19 for two games. That's a little expensive. Okay, yeah, so uh, it's 16 expensive. Australian is twelve sixty-seven US as of today. Okay, so their money's worse than ours or better than ours, whatever it is. Uh, but still, it's... it's uh, with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I guess they looks like they the like they bought they bought up all the games from other bankrupt businesses and just have them in a big warehouse. So it seems a little pricey, but if if it's games like let's say for myself, I am not somebody that plays Call of Duty online because I would just want to murder people because it's just annoying. But I might want to play the game to get the story because a lot of times they do put effort into these stories and they're like a five or ten hour game. Well, I could finish that in two days. Return Especially it. now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could finish that in one day. <laughs> no, but the reality is you could, you could potentially rent. If you could rent, let's say, four games a month, one game a week, it's completely worth it. Now, this is not the kind of service you'd go for for a Final Fantasy or something where you're going to put 100 hours into. Yeah. Well, is this like, you know, the 1267 US, is that, you said it was for how long? That's per month. Oh, okay, per month. One game out per month. And so you have it, and you if you want to return it, you send it in the mail, it comes free. Okay. So it's like, yeah, it's like the old Netflix DVD. It's exactly. Or Gamefly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is Gamefly still around? As far as I know, they are, yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because I haven't seen ads I for tried Gamefly Game Access, in years. And Hopefully, if they can get around some of the issues that at least we had up here, Game Access was bad at getting games to you quick enough and receiving them. 
It's because mm-hmm. they didn't have a very large stock. Now, they were a sponsor for Twig for years. I never had a problem with them, but I also had the highest tier of I, membership. But I also couldn't get super new releases quickly. I had the highest tier with reserve, quick shipping and everything. And I had four games that never arrived. Oh, wow. Point, I never had that. Where I had to complain, and I'm like, guys, come on. I'm not paying you, you know, 40 bucks a month <laughs> to to get all that. It was like, or it was like 30 some odd a month after taxes. And then they ended up refunding my money because they couldn't fulfill the games I wanted. Mm. So hmm. as long as they have enough stock and enough, you know, which it sounds like they would because this is not, I, I think Game Access probably bought up all the old Rogers video uh, games and then started having their own. This is like the biggest chain of, uh, of games or game stores in the world that has, yeah. that's running it. So if it does well there, they could potentially move it to Canada and the States. Yeah, I'd like to see it here. I mean, I work next to an EB game, so I'd like to pop over. And and that would be the advantage. Like, not only could you do mail order ones, you could just, if you're in an area that has a local in. store, just walk in. And if they don't have it in stock there, then they'd ship it to the store for you to pick up. Mm-hmm. So that would work. Awesome. I would happily right. pay for that. Yeah, that could yeah. be pretty cool. All right, so while this is generally video game news, we have some board game news. Mike, what do you got? All right, so one of the cool things to come out of Gen Con 50, which happened last weekend, or, yeah, last week or the weekend before last. Either way, I wasn't there. I'm very sad about it. <clears throat> is that dun- dun- Dungeons & Dragons, for those of you who can speak, um, has always been a game about inclusivity, and these guys actually marched in the Seattle uh, Pride Parade a little while ago. They've had banners that show the diversity of D and D and how it's LGBTQ, very, very, very friendly. They've actually tried. They've actually weaved stuff into the Curse of Strahd and the Tomb of Annihilation, and putting gay and queer stuff into D and D is actually not all that hard. It could be just. It could be just as simple as having a same-sex uh, couple into it. Um, so what they're trying to do, one of the creators uh, or people who works on it, I think his name is Jeremy Crawford, is that one of the messages that he wants to send, you don't want a party where everybody's the same. It's a game where you're always better off working together and working through your differences and achieving victory together. Even when you sometimes disagree. So, so in many ways, a lot of what we're doing are lessons from D&D itself. Uh, so think about how your character does and does not confront the broader culture's expectations of sex, gender, and sexual behavior. It's important to many of us personally in the company for the game to acknowledge our existence, said Crawford, publisher of Wizards of the Coast. Like I said, they marched in the gay pride parade for the first time this year. It makes a real difference in people's lives. I actually have a lot of people on my Facebook who are LGBTQ, and a lot of them play D&D, and they do find that kind of cool. In fact, some of my games uh, coming up for Terrible Warriors this year feature uh, some gay characters because I want to add some more flavor into my world. Gay characters have always existed throughout fiction and whatnot. Um Actually, in one of our games, uh, we play. We had uh, one of our characters, Dave, uh, played a bisexual uh, uh, tiefling who was a bard. And while some of it was played for lols, uh, he did play it in the fact that yeah, she is a sexual creature by nature, and she doesn't. She likes who she likes, be it man or woman. 
I think Dave described it as uh, he. I think he said this during one of the debriefs. He called her pansexual, and that's a phrase I've only just recently learned what it means, or at least in terms of I how I interpret it. And it basically means you don't care, so matter what sex they are, you like them for them. Pansexual means you accept everybody. And I think it's very cool that a company like D&D or Wizards is having that conversation. They're willing to have more diverse characters and publish modules and whatnot, and not uh, not just necessarily a passing nod. I mean, you could be out helping save a lord's son who maybe has um, a husband or something like that. So I'm looking forward to seeing what interesting stories can be can can be told with this particular narrative in there because at the end of the day it doesn't matter whether the character's gay or bisexual or whatnot as long as the story's interesting because i know someone's gonna say but you're forcing your gender politics on me no as long as the story is served that's how i've always felt about it and i want everybody to feel included too mm-hmm. absolutely Alrighty then. Well, that got the room it's, quiet. Well, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm in a situation where I actually don't, in the LBGTQ, I actually don't know what, like with queer, I thought that just meant gay, but I'm, I'm reading about it now, so that's why, that's why I've been quiet. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it, I'm it, trying to figure I mean, out what every letter means. Yeah, see, that's the thing, and, and I don't mean this as a slight at all. It's hard to keep up with the definitions and the language because it evolves so quickly and from a cultural standpoint that's really fascinating to watch from the outside looking in because you're seeing a culture that's been around for so long but now that it's so out in the open it's evolving so quickly that the things change year to year and i think as far as i understand lgbt stands for lesbian bisexual transsexual bisexual queer and then those that don't identify, like asexuals, I guess. So queer is the more. It's I'm just reading. It's that it's the newer. It's it's not. It wasn't as accepted in the main lexicon until more recently. In that it's. Yeah. Um, it's an umbrella term for people that aren't heterosexual and, uh, but are, are questioning their heterosexuality, but aren't it, sure what they, if they if they basically fit in with any of the other labels. Yeah, it yeah. goes harkens back to its original definition as odd, just different, in, in not in a, a negative connotation. Just they know that they're not quite any one specific thing. They're not binary, so to speak, or whatever, right? Yeah, it's, and, it's not an easy topic to talk about. It's difficult to to find the right words to make so sure it, that it the, could the even message be somebody is like, like I'm just looking at examples that were given, and it's like somebody that may be. It could be a case where there's two gay people, like a gay man and a gay woman who happen to be married anyway. Okay. Like they're maybe they're bisexual, but they're more gay than they are bisexual. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. All right. So I guess things, it's basically it fills in the blanks of where people don't fit. You're not this. They don't, they're not labeled as one thing that they don't fit into any category. And, I'm, and again, I could be wrong. I don't want to offend anybody by saying that. I'm just, I had ne- like I'd heard LBGTQ, and I just never really understood. I thought the Q was redundant. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I definitely consider this show and myself to be allies of that community, and we're always learning. So if you, if as always, if you have something to say, 
uh, at This Week in Geek is our Twitter, or Mike at This Week in Geek.net is my email address. I always want to have these conversations. So tell me, like, if, if we get a definition wrong or if you have a story or something to tell us, yeah, let me know. I'm, I'm always yeah, curious to hear the other side. I'm like, I'm of the belief dude, you can be whatever you want to be. Nothing, it doesn't hurt anybody. I don't care. Just be happy. Exactly. So for me, it's just, it's literally a, a, an ignorance thing. I don't necessarily know. It's not part of my life. So I don't know what, what it means. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But I do believe in tying it into the D&D story. D&D being such a fantasy world, it makes sense, you know, have it be open to everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I want to say even in older published modules, I want to say I remember seeing gay characters or at least gay, may, maybe even gay bad guys or something like that, too. I remember these, but I don't know whether I'm remembering it correctly. So but so that is very cool of Wizards to do that. I think other publishers like Paizo, who do Pathfinder, already do that or release. I know they're very LGBTQ friendly. They got a lot of really creative talent on their team. So, yeah, basically... The board game industry and the tabletop industry, remarkably inclusive. I remember one of the pictures I saw from the Seattle Pride Parade is they had this huge Wizards of the Coast Dungeons & Dragons banner, and it was done up in the rainbow colors. And I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, I think I posted it to the Terrible Warriors uh, Facebook page um, a while back. So anyway... Good on you, folks. Make sure your worlds of fantasy are as diverse as you want them to be and include everybody because, hey, not everybody's a bad guy. And uh, at the end of the day, we all just want to have fun. And maybe to piggyback onto your story, I've got one more from Gen Con. Just uh, it was a quick article that uh, Ars Technica put up of what the hottest new licensed titles or even unlicensed titles were for board games that came out of Gen Con. Number one being there's a Fallout game, uh, a tabletop, uh, like, full-fledged board game. So uh, I just thought that was kind of neat. It looks like I I am somebody fairly new to Gen Con. I didn't even really know what it was until a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, But I just, and I've been sort of falling into the whole board game craze inadvertently through D&D, which is, you know, tabletop, pen and paper. It, it, it's different but similar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So... I'm just looking at that, and I'm seeing, like, there are some really intricate board games out there that, like, it makes me think of... You have no idea. uh, Well, it it makes me think of of, uh, Parks and Rec, where uh, the the one character, the one that was... uh, that ended up marrying the the main character there on the show, he had invented his Cones of something or other game that he made, and I remember it was just laughably ridiculous on the show that he had this crazy rule set for a game. Well, it's sort of like what they actually make in real life with some of these games. So there was a Fallout game that was shown off, something called Rising Sun, which looks like a crazy, intricate uh, um, Asian battle game. Then some other puzzly type ones. I'll throw them, we'll get the link out so we, we can put it in the show post. But mm-hmm. uh, just it just showed off such unique, uh, like very different games. Like when I think of board games, traditionally I thought of like... The Parker Monopoly. Brothers stuff. Yeah, Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers. And then I'm seeing that like everything now seems to be have this, you know, a whole card based system and a deck building thing and and then they have miniatures and like it, it's it's getting so big. Oh, there's one for there's uh Sid Meier Civilization has a game coming out, a board game, which I'd imagine is something similar to Risk. 
And I mean, this is just, it's a short little story, but it's interesting to me that how many new board games are popping up out of nowhere. Like, yeah. I, I had thought that it was, I knew card games were a big thing because those are easy to produce, like Cards Against Humanity and, and uh, was Exploding Kittens, is that the other big one? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but just the fact that, that board games, like, very intricate, large, like, looks like the boxes have to weigh, like, five to ten pounds <laughs> oh yeah like one of the heaviest games i ever had the pleasure of owning for a little while was twilight imperium by fantasy flight games and that's a game you'll spend easy 18 hours at that's a game where you need a six foot table and you better have a day or two clear well it, wow yeah it's <laughs> intense um well, fantasy, even the starcraft flight, board games fantasy flight is making the fallout game they're making one of two fantasy or they're making one of two fallout games there's a fantasy there is a a fallout game coming from modifius they're the people were playing the star trek adventures over on terrible warriors but they're doing a war minis game which you can technically hack an rpg out of because fallout is built upon the special stats okay you can hack a fully functional rpg tabletop experience out of that and the other one is, is from Fantasy Flight is more like a traditional board game. Board game, yes, exactly. So that's how flexible board games have become now. Uh, one of the card games, I it, it's also a card game, but it's also a tabletop role-playing game, is the Pathfinder one. You actually have a character, and you can bring, you can build up levels, you can carry equipment between game sessions. And the oh. game's still completely random. Well, that's that's neat, and I, I think hmm. maybe the rise of, of all these games, part of it is Kickstarter, obviously, but I'm thinking since these um, board game cafes seem to be popping up everywhere, there's uh, like a renewed interest in new, interesting, unique games that they can just advertise that they have at their place. So that's why these games can come out and be like $100 per board game. Oh, or, yeah. Like some of them are, you know, they'll say recommended uh, MSRP of like 120 bucks because of how intricate they are. Well, not every person is going to go pick that up, but I'll tell you, every single board game cafe will have a copy, so you can try it out there. Yeah, like one one of the most successful board games that I can remember from Kickstarter was the Ghostbusters game. Uh, there was Ghostbusters. There's a Mega Man board game, which I don't know how that one plays, unfortunately. But the Ghostbusters game is really fun, and there's a lot of really cool Kickstarter-esque items you can get from that. I think that was from Cryptozoic. There's a Rick and Morty card game now. Well, give, give me a Transformers or a Voltron one, and I'll buy it. There's Transformers Monopoly, but that's just a variance to the rules. Actually, I think there is a Transformers board game like a real board game, but I don't know if it's officially licensed. So I'd have to look into that after the show. Hmm. Alrighty then. It is time for some more random news notes. All right, Mike, what do you got? Okay. So I got a couple of really cool science stories. As you guys know, science is my jam. And uh, 40 years ago this week, Voyager 1 and 2 were launched about two weeks apart back in 1977 from Cape Canaveral, Florida. And one of the people who worked on the project, Voyager project scientist Ed Stone, had said, none of us knew when we launched 40 years ago that anything would still be working, continuing on its, on its pioneering journey, which I think is tremendously cool because you look at the pictures that Voyager has sent back um, – it sent back pictures of Jupiter, Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, stuff we're seeing in full color, 
stuff like that. Um, one of the cool things is one of the uh, one of the scientists originally involved, late American astronomer Carl. S- I just saw the weirdest ice cream truck pass by my house. Sorry, uh, Carl <laughs> Sagan. It was neon lit up. It was really cool. Uh, had his son Nick, who is forty six now, record his voice, and the voice says hello from the children of the of planet Earth. Because each of these uh, spacecraft carry a golden record. And on those golden records includes the calls of humpback whales, the Chuck Berry song, Johnny Be Good, Beethoven's uh, Fifth Symphony, um, this Pygmy Girls initiation song, and greetings in over 55 languages. Um, So the really cool thing that's happening with this is these guys took advantage of this planetary alignment that happens about once every 175 years that was able to maximize how quickly Voyager could zip through the um, kind of solar systems. And when you think, or the solar system rather, and you think about how primitive the computing power was back then, we're talking computers that took up rooms. We're talking punch cards still like, my phone has more power in it than took the entire Apollo missions, like com- combined. Well, that's um, like the, the the original Nintendo was more powerful than what they used to launch the first rockets into space. I know it's incredible just to think all that is now shrunk down for entertainment purposes. I mean, imagine what will happen when we have craft that are launched now. I mean, I remember when Cassini was launched or not was it cassini or am i thinking of no when the galileo space probe was launched i want to say back in 1996 and it completed its mission to jupiter in the last couple of years you think about the technology that was in that thing think about the probes that are going out now i mean it's just incredibly cool what these things have sent back i mean one of the one of the pictures that's most well known from voyager is simply known the as the blue dot. And that's where you could see Earth as just this pale blue dot amongst the enormity of space about how far it was out in the interstellar or not interstellar void. It was still in our solar system. But you get the point that I'm trying to make. Um, stuff like that. And Carl Sagan um, at the time at a press conference had said, I think this is perspective. This perspective underscores our responsibility to preserve and cherish that blue dot. It's the only home that we have. And when you look at where things are kind of going on right now, that's mm, we better get our asses in gear, so to speak. But as of right now, or as um, Voyager One has traveled farther than any man-made spacecraft. In, the, in history and is on its way to interstellar space, which is about 13 billion miles away in August of 2012. Voyager 2 is on its way there too and is the only spacecraft to have flown by all four outer planets in the solar system. So these plutonium-powered spaceships will continue until they finally run out of fuel and then will eventually make it to the center of the Milky Way galaxy hundreds of thousands or millions of years in the future. There actually was a documentary. I think the show was called The Universe, produced by A&E, that shows how far these things will eventually get before the interstellar void destroys them with micrometeorite strikes and whatnot. But as far as I know, some of these are still transmitting data 
at 1970s style speeds and we're still getting equipment <laughs> readings of interstellar wind and the solar wind, whether we've crossed the thermal shock of the heliosphere and whatnot. So I think that's incredibly interesting. I love space stuff. And the fact that we've made it out of the solar system gives me hope that eventually someday maybe we'll get out of here too and be able to explore interstellar space maybe make it over to alpha centauri or god knows what else is out there because every year we're finding new super earths we're finding stuff that's close to our star that's within a reasonable light year limit for us to to reach are you thinking of cosmos not the universe wasn't it cosmos that a and e had no this- uh, cosmos was uh the original i think was just a pbs documentary and the new one was fox uh-huh. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, there, yeah, there were both. Uh, the one I refer is to the A and E. I've got the box set, but uh, yeah, oh, it, okay. it was on TV. So my next one goes from wondering the majesty and mystery of space itself to killer friggin' robots. <laughs> Don't you love it? So at least te- it's not zombies. I'd rather deal with zombies than the Terminator. Um, So Tesla's Elon Musk and Alphabet's Mustafa Suleiman are leading a group of 116 specialists from across 26 countries who are calling for a ban on autonomous weapons. What's an autonomous weapon? Well, that's a UAV, that's automated machine guns, that's drones, that's tanks. That's basically, these guys have... um, led the discussion to the United Nations saying, hey, something's got to happen. So they wrote a letter to the UN, to the to the United Nations, rather, and it reads, once developed, lethal autonomous weapons will permit armed conflict to be fought at a scale greater than ever, and at timescales faster than humans can comprehend. These can be weapons of terror, weapons that can be despots and terrorists used, and terrorists can use against innocent po- populations and weapons hacked to behave in undesirable ways. We do not have long to act. Once this Pandora's box is opened, it will be hard to close. Now, they're worried that AI technology, because it's it's advancing so quickly, that um, weapons would be able to, quote-unquote, operate on their own. And um, I'm just saying, they're... We, we talked about them earlier in the show here. And it, when a certain computer program decides we're a greater threat to ourselves than them, I'm just saying. We've got a problem. Yeah, we've got a big friggin' problem. So uh, they're, they're hoping to talk to the, um, the letter which launches the opening of the International Joint Conference on Artificial Intelligence. Um has the backing of other high profile people in the field of robotics. And they're really hoping the U S or sorry, they're really hoping the United nations takes heed and listens to them because the founders of this are calling lethal autonomous robotic systems morally wrong. And these should be added to the weapons that have been banned under the UN's conventions, certain conventional weapons. That was uh, brought in the force back in 1983, which includes chemical and intentionally blinding laser weapons. 
Uh, one of the scientists uh, from New South Wales in Sydney, Toby Walsh, says nearly every technology can be used for good and bad. And artificial intelligence is no different. It can help tackle many of the pressing problems facing society today, inequity and poverty, the challenges posed by climate change and the ongoing global financial crisis. However, the same technology can be used in autonomous weapons to industrialize war. We need to make decisions today choosing which of these futures we want. And I could not agree more. I'd much rather have a robot figure out a flat tax as opposed to deciding, hmm, do I want to use the 50 millimeter gun or do I want to use armor piercing discarding sabot rounds? I'd much rather it make the tax decision than the ammo one. Yeah, because then, you know, you'd have to eventually show your tax returns. And now we present our main event for this week as this is our in-depth news topic. I want robots that can lick my taint. So I saw a story from Entertainment Weekly, and this to me, it's not, nothing really shocks me anymore, but it kind of saddens me that a lot of stuff that we used to take, you know, more seriously, that we actually used to like to attend things, to do things, to help movies make money. And sadly, that weekend, this past weekend, the 25th to the 27th, was uh, was not that. Because apparently, this is almost the worst box office weekend in history. From the article... Alright. Sorry about that. Yeah. From the article, overall, the box office will hit about $65 million this weekend, making it at least the lowest since September 5th, 2014, when Guardians of the Galaxy topped the competition with $10.3 million in ticket sales. Depending on how the final numbers shake out, this weekend has the potential to be the worst overall since September 21st, 2001, when ticket sales dipped to $59 million in the aftermath of the September 11th attacks. Yikes. Oh my god. This well, is crazy. Well, like, look, look what's out there. Well, I know, but that's what I want to bring up really quick before I get to your all's opinions is, look at a year in general. You, starting in January, ending in December. Normally, January, February, March, or at least up to about the Oscars, there's not a lot of stuff. And then by the end of March, all of April, May, June, July, the spring slash summer, 
blockbusters, this, this, that, and the other thing. We have various movies coming out and all this and all that. And then sometimes we even have some of those in August, but then September, October, it kind of fizzles out, and then Thanksgiving and Christmas time, it picks back up again. So it's like peaks and valleys of the movie theater industry at this point. And it's like, wow, I remember when, you know, when I was a kid, we were always going to the movies. Like, it was always a thing. And now with, I think, personally, with the internet and being able to find stuff just at the, you know, push of a button, who the hell, other, other than, you know, spending 50, 60 bucks at a movie theater, who the hell needs to go anymore? Not, not really anybody. Yeah, like, I, I go on cheap days. So I go when it's like $6.50 or... The one theater in town here where I saw Hit, uh, Hitman's Bodyguard was four fifty on a Tuesday last week. So, it, it's you can you can still go when it's cheap and it's worth it then, or if it's like a really big budget, you know, IMAX production sort of thing, or if I want to see like the next Marvel movie, I'll go and I'll pay my ten bucks. But if you look in the last four years or so, maybe even five, no, at least four years, uh, February has become the month where all the the good R-rated action films come out, which it used to be the dump month where nobody put anything out. Mm-hmm. But now you've got, ever since um, Stallone's movie uh, Bullet to the Head came out a few years back, I remember going to see that around my birthday in February. And I was like, wow, this is pretty good. And then the John Wick movie came out, and that made what, like over $100 million or something <laughs> on like a nothing budget. And then look what comes out after that. Deadpool comes out. And then John Wick 2 and then, uh, what was it? The uh, the Logan movie. They're all in that January to March period. And so now you've got movies that might have come out at the end of summer, which would have been usually the last few weeks of summer. They're reserved for the the movies like that, where they think they're going to make money, but not tons of money. But they're they're still going to draw maybe fifty to a hundred million dollars uh, in theaters. Well, now they're putting them in, in January, February, March. And we're left with, like, nothing for the last three weeks of summer. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, Hit, Hit My, Man, Hitman's Bodyguard yeah, is something that mm-hmm. I would have figured would have come out in March. And, in fact, yeah. I, it probably was meant to, and I just get a feeling it was pushed back. Mm-hmm. Well, we end up with one of the main sources of entertainment. Instead of being movies, you end up with this Floyd mayweather Conor McGregor fight. So that gets everyone's God. attention over the weekend, and they're not going out. They're going to these pay-per-view things. Yeah, and SummerSlam and everything like that. And I'm sorry, anybody still paying pay-per-view, like $50, $60, $70 for any WWE content? You're nuts. Just go get the network. It's 10 bucks a month. Come on now, people. When it comes to the fights, I I don't know. I, like... Wrestling, it has some athleticism. It does have a you know a mix of athleticism and entertainment, but there's more entertainment value there. Whereas boxing is just two guys beating the fuck out of each and, other. And and that's why this was exciting because you had an MMA guy who behaves like he's a pro wrestler. How he promotes yeah. himself, he he's like an R-rated Ric Flair, and that's mm-hmm. just basically how he how he presented himself. So he got the whole world psyched up for this in the last six months or so. And there, there did more pay-per-view. Like, the guy made $50 million for losing. That's yeah. more money <laughs> than John Cena makes in 10 years working at WWE. Yeah, and this is for one true. fight. Mayweather made $250 million. Like, that's May- insane. Mayweather, May- Mayweather, for one fight, made a quarter of what the WWE is worth as an entire company. 
Damn it. Wow. So that's that's where for the 24 fight... minutes of fighting. Exactly. <clears throat> where, where the boxer, who's one of the best boxers in the world, beat a guy who'd never boxed before. And he made $250 million. So while boxing as a sport might be on the decline, it's certain attractions like this will pull people in. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll bet you this past weekend, a lot of it was cut into by this because you probably had 3 million people or more pay for the, the pay-per-view. You probably had about 25 million people streaming it online illegally or more. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. ho- and then however many people watched it at bars or at the movie theaters or, or wherever they were putting it on. Even the movie theater, they wanted 50 bucks. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah. I was like, that's, what? That's, no. That's, that's, yes, like you, you can pay $10 to, or, or $15 to go watch uh, SummerSlam at the movie theater. So... There's no way you'd have you should be paying that kind of money. Yeah, what was it about this past weekend? Like you, like we've said, you had the fight, you had Game of Thrones, and you had to a lesser extent the MTV Video Music Awards, which I couldn't believe they were still like MTV doing music anything. Come on now, really? <laughs> but like this weekend just seemed like there was so much jam packed into one weekend. Well, and and the release of of uh, that Bruce Lee movie that WWE Studios put out, which I just saw today, <laughs> which was hilariously bad, but like in a good way. Uh, mm-hmm. And people are wondering, it's like, oh, it made it it broke the top ten box office and only made two million dollars. Holy <laughs> so shit! That's that bad. that tells you how bad the weekend was, right? So yep. I'll just quickly go over. I went to see this movie, and it's it's a movie based on a article that was written by some guy about Bruce Lee fighting some other guy in 1964, which may or may not be real, and it's probably not real. Oh, my God. And it turns out Bruce Lee's not even the main character of it. The main character of the movie is a fictionalized, fake, younger version of Steve McQueen, who is just Steve McNee. Oh my god! Who looks, sounds, has the same background as Steve McQueen. Only he's not a movie star in this. He's just some kid who falls in love with a a, a sex slave. And Bruce Lee <laughs> has to. Bruce Lee is this talky guy who's gonna, uh, who only fights to to for glory. And he meets this Shaolin monk guy who has to fight to to see who's the best in Chinatown. And and. When he, he uses his one one inch punch thing that he always showed off in, in his movies, and when he hits a guy with it, the guy flew like twelve feet back. <laughs> like it's just the most <laughs> batshit crazy thing. This this made it to theaters, and yet it still did not have any WWE people in it, even though it's a WWE Studios movie. But this is the one that makes it to theaters. Wow, twelve rounds three was better. <laughs> <laughs> like I'll say this, it was completely worth me seeing it. it like because this this week up here, the biggest chain Cineplex uh, in Canada has a uh, the entire week is Tuesday week, so every movie showing is six dollars and fifty cents. Oh wow, cool! So I never thought I would ever go see a WWE Studios movie in theaters unless it had The Rock in it, and I, it I did, and it was horrible, but awesome. But that, that's that's awesome. that's the competition Hitman's bodyguard had. 
It was horribly awesome. Hey, Mike, it's awesome. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Mike, what do you think about the box office stuff? I can't say I'm totally surprised. I mean, nothing really huge has come out this month to really draw people in. Spider-Man was at the beginning of July. Wonder Woman, Alien, and Guardians were all at the beginning of the summer. Those are the, all still in theaters, by the way. Yeah, those are all still in theaters. I think the biggest thing that come out in the last few weeks would be the uh, Annabelle 2, which I hear is okay. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, people just – I think people are just like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay home. Like I said, you, yeah. had, you had the Mayweather fight. You had the season seven finale of Game of Thrones. Yeah, no one was just having it this weekend. This was just an – an in weekend and like Alex said Cineplex is reacting to it by trying to get more asses in the seats by offering discount pricing mm-hmm. because they're losing money this week and they're trying to hedge off the kind of bleed um, by doing whatever they possibly can for this and there's just not a lot out there I'd rather go see again even this week I'm looking at what's coming out and there is jack shit there's nothing coming out this week that's not like an independent film that's going to get like one day in theaters like there's the vault starring a low budget crappy movie starring uh james franco uh that's all he can do now (laughs) something what there's there's literally nothing else there's oh goon 2 the movie that was released here like four months ago the the sequel to the to goon 1 the hockey comedy is going coming out in the states which doesn't make wow. sense because I think it's already on video here. Huh. Wow. <laughs> well, the yeah, week after um, it is coming. Yep. Well, yeah, and that, that's, that's, that should have been released this week. If you really want I'm glad to. that it's not. I'm glad that it's coming out next week because the early reactions to it are fantastic. Oh, and I'm totally seeing it, and I'm totally bringing a, a little pillow that I can hide behind. Yes, I, love how you're, I love how you're so vulgar, yet you're such a giant pussy. Oh, I, dude, I, <laughs> Just make I, sure the seat doesn't break. No, I won't. I'm going to go to one of the sturdy theaters. <laughs> but I literally would, in high school, I didn't care if we went with guys and girls. I had a little pillow, an ear pillow, that I would cover my face with so I couldn't scream. <laughs> Ever since I went and saw, what was it? I went and saw the first Ring movie, and I got nightmares, and I was like 14. <laughs> I had to unplug my TV and turn it around at nighttime. <laughs> okay, join us next week for more sad adventures from Alex Land. Yes. I can't wait to have you and call Cthulhu. I intend to give you nightmares. It's going to happen. Good. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right, well. We have anything else before I close this out, guys? <laughs> uh, not a whole lot. I still have to talk with James Rolfe about our about our annual Halloween show. I think we're doing uh, the Child's Play movies this year, so I'll get talk. I probably should email him this week. So that'll be the topic show because I know we haven't done a lot of those this year as I'm still getting better. And hey, I go see my specialist next week, so the real work begins, boys. There you go. Who's in the chunk out of my ass? Uh, all right. Well, we want to thank everyone for joining us here in the Nerd News Universe this week. Uh, where are going to people find you online, guys? Tristan, where are you? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Tristopher. Alex? At Gravy Moose. 
Mike? Of course, you can find me everywhere at Twitter, Instagram, at Birdman Dodd, and uh, Facebook at Birdman Dodd. I am at Mike on Twitter. Thank you for joining us here on Twig's Nerd News Network. Join us next time to hear Alex say... I actually didn't prepare anything. I'm going to make him says, pants. I'm not wearing pants. I, I'm actually not wearing pants. And I'm just trying to keep this ship alive, folks. We'll be back with all the news you nerds want to know next week here on This Week in Geeks Nerd News Network. What Whee! color is your underwear? I'm not wearing underwear. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say anything about underwear. get home, I eat a little faster. Every time I try a flavor, it never tastes the same. If I can't eat anything else but these diabetes why can't I eat some real food give me some pasta give me some pizza I I don't want to eat it I don't want to eat another one I'll make it through the day without food. I, I can't digest. Try to find a healthier way to exist. It's just another Pop-Tart, not food. It's just another Pop-Tart. Behold the mighty V-Jiny. Humpback whales. Chuck Berry. Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Some Japanese instrument. And then Magic Carpet Ride. Yes. What the Uh-oh. hell is that? Fire alarm. Oh, for fuck's sake. It's Blair. What's she burning? Oh, fuck if I know. If it helps, it's only you. It's not up here. Did yeah, thanks, thanks for that. No, <laughs> she's in the kitchen making something. Other than a mess. Want to see me make bubbles with my spit? Sure do. In fact, that's the theme of our next show. No, no, I have oh seen the mountaintops and they are glorious. You can go to sleep on top of them and be comfy. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again slowly. Tristan, Andrew, Donald, William, Winkworth. It's a good thing you're not British, because you would almost be entitled to a crown. Man, whoa, man, we had the best Chinese food. Tristan, have you had Double Dragon in this town?
I have not. The little lady there, she's, she's like, oh, yum, 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 yum. I don't speak English. Blah, 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 blah. Here's your, here's your food. <laughs> Insert offensive item right here. Hey, don't look at me. I'm not putting them up to it. They just keep talking about me. Pre-show? What was the pre-show? So everything you saw before that was pre-the show, which makes the pre-show. As you can imagine, they, they don't let us out much. You've been listening to This Week in Geek. Tune in next week to hear, um, somebody random. I don't know. Maybe even a hot chick. Yeah, let's go with that. Did anyone ever tell you that you were very, very sexy? How are actually, no. They never will. Check out our website, thisweekingeek.net, for more geek content, as well subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or any podcatcher. If you'd like to comment on this episode, head to this episode post on thisweekingeek.net and comment through Facebook Connect. Or you can call our voicemail line at 817-717-7202. Send us a Twitter message by at replying to at thisweekingeek. Lastly, you can email us at feedback at thisweekingeek.net. This extra music was produced by Pronobozo at P-R-O-N-O-B-O-Z-O.com. We'll see you next time, and remember... Lower your shields and surrender your listenership. That was wonderful. Bravo! I loved that. Oh, it was great! Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It though. could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away! Hey, boo! Boo!